Well, we're coming now to God's Word, so if you turn with me to your Bibles, uh, you'll find it on page 902 in uh, the Church Bibles, and we're looking this morning at John chapter 15 from verse 18 through to chapter 16, verse 4. Now, let me uh, read it for us. You'll remember that we're in the midst of this series in John's Gospel, and we've called it, I Wish I'd Asked That, because um, Jesus' disciples are asking him a number of questions as he's, as he's leaving, and... Uh, now we've come to that point where last week he was talking about the fruit that we can bear through abiding in the vine, through the work of uh, the Father, the Word, and love. And now uh, this week, though, Jesus turns his attention to the way that he himself and his followers, as he looks to the cross, he himself and his followers are going to be treated by the world around. And we've called it this week the question, why do people persecute Christians? John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. This is God's Word. Do please be seated. Why do people persecute Christians? I want to say to you that there could hardly be a more relevant or important question to get our minds and our hearts straight about. According to Open Doors USA, the um, organization that was founded by Brother Andrew, who became famous for taking Bibles 
smuggling Bibles into the former Soviet Union. According to Open Doors USA, the number of Christians in 2018 who were experiencing serious persecution was 215 million. So we live stream, people watch the live stream from all around the world, in all likelihood there's someone watching right now who is wondering whether someone's going to knock on their door, the secret police, and start to interview them and maybe take them to jail, who's wondering what their family are going to think if they're following Jesus. This is a hugely relevant question today. Most um, people who watch these statistics would say that more Christians have been persecuted in the last 50 years or so than ever before in the history of the church. What is also, I was going to say what is more, but that's, that's not a good way of describing it because what we're going through is nothing compared to what's happening globally. But what is more present to us in America is that we Christians, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you may not be aware of this, but we Christians are watching what's going on in politics and in government and in the culture, watching the laws that are being passed and wondering whether persecution is coming. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon for me now as a pastor to have conversations with people who are facing difficult decisions about what they say at work, fearing they might lose their job if they verbally articulate a position related to something that the Bible teaches. I can tell you, just 15 years ago, that was not the case. But now it is. So where's it going? Will there come a time when there are certain subjects in the Bible that if I preached from, I would go to jail? You know, I've thought about that, and I've preached on some of those subjects. I've wondered whether there'll come a time when people will look back through my backlog of sermons online and go, yeah, he preached on that, and he said this. Could happen. So why, why, why do people persecute Christians? And of course, once we figure that out, then we can figure out how to respond to it. What then should we do about it? I remember when I was a teenager at high school, um, a new student was sort of parachuted into the high school dynamic. It was, you know, like we'd been there as, as a group of friends for two, three years, and then this guy came in from outside. And you can imagine what that was like. I mean, you, you're coming in, and you don't, you know, you don't have any friends yet, and all the social dynamics have been set up. And it was really hard for, for him, I think. He, he, he thought differently. He dressed differently. He spoke differently. He had different ambitions for his career. He didn't fit in. I don't think anyone bullied him. 
but he didn't fit in. It got better for him as the years went by, but still I think he never really fitted in. Many people will say the reason why Christians are persecuted is because they don't fit in. You Christians, um, you need to learn what the new moral code is. You need to move with the times. Um, you Christians, you've got to understand that the government is, is Islamic and therefore, yeah, you can, you can worship Jesus on your own, but you can't actually ask anyone else to follow Jesus. That's against the rules. You've got to fit in. Is that what, what Jesus says is the reason why people persecute Christians? They're not good enough at fitting in. Amazingly, and indeed shockingly, no. According to Jesus, the reason why people persecute Christians is because they hate God. That's very clearly what he's saying. So we've got to press into that. Is that really true? And why does he say it? So the reality of hate, as Jesus talks about it, we'll press into that. Then what emerges from that, which is the opportunity for witness, and then a call to remember. Those are the three movements of the sermon. So first then, the reality of hate. Is this, am I describing what Jesus is actually saying? And if I am, what does he mean by it? So verses 18 through to verse 25, Jesus is talking about the reality of hate. Now look down there with me and you'll have a pretty good indication this is indeed what he's saying. One of the ways you can know that is just by the repetition of the word hate. Throughout these verses, over and over again, he talks about hate. And throughout the rest of this section, he never does it again because he's already established the reality of hate. He's repeating for emphasis. There's something going on because they, because they hate me. And the reason why they hate me is because they hate the Father, because they hate God. It's just a reality of hate. What is more, in verse 19 in this passage, Jesus repeats another word over and over again. That word is world. Verse 19, he repeats that word five times. So what Jesus is saying is, there is this world system... Now, you shouldn't think that means necessarily non-religious because at the end of verse 25, Jesus says he quotes from their law, their religious law, quotation from the Old Testament, they hated me without cause. So the barrier is not between religious and non-religious or Christian and non-religious. It's a different barrier, but there's this thing called world, the world system, that is in animosity to God and to, uh, to Jesus, and therefore to Jesus' followers. If they persecute you, remember they persecuted me first. 
He's got this phrase here where he says, the reason why, if, if, if I had not come, their guilt, wouldn't, they wouldn't have been guilty of their sin. But now I have come and done the miracles I did and taught the kind of things I taught. Now they are guilty of sin. What Jesus means by that is not that there wasn't guilt of sin before he turned up. What he means by that is that by his very presence to come and rescue people, he is inevitably saying that people need rescue. It's emphasizing this guilty world in which we are all a part of. And so they resist that message. And the world hates that. Let me explain it for you in this way. Um, Rochelle and I, my wife and I, sometimes like to watch uh, reruns of TV shows. You know the way it is when you get old, you like to watch reruns of TV shows from the 1980s, that kind of thing. And I don't know whether this one is in the 1980s or the 1990s. I forget. That happens also when you get old. Um, uh, but this is a show called Friends. And that does, I'm not, by the way, I'm not advocating that everything they do is good. You know, just be clear about that. Um, but in this, in this TV show, there's one episode where there's a psychologist who's kind of parachuted in to the friendship group of the four friends. And um, they, first of all, they like him. He's kind of intriguing. He's interesting. But then something happens. Um, one of the characters and friends who likes to crack a lot of jokes is being very funny and everyone's laughing. And then at the end, the psychologist is laughing along and then he, he says, oh, yeah, that's great. I, you're so funny. I, I wouldn't like to be around when the laughter stops. And the guy says, you know, what do you mean? He says, well, you're using laughter as a um, defense mechanism. I said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I don't know. I mean... Uh, let me just guess. Only child, right? He says, yeah. Um, parents divorce when you were younger than 10, right? He says, yeah, how do you know? The psychologist says, it's textbook. Which, by the way, if you're a psychologist, this is not a good way to go about analyzing people, but anyway. And he does this with each of the characters on this show. And by the end of the, character, by the, end of the show, every single one of them is saying something like this. Oh yeah, he's great, he's very clever, he's, he's articulate, he's an interesting guy, he's really fun to, to hang around, but I hate that guy. Why? Because by his very presence and the things he's saying, he's, he's exposing something within See, God does not hate the world. In fact, John tells us God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his one lonely son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world. But by the very fact of sending Jesus to rescue, it is emphasizing that the world needs rescuing. It is emphasizing the world is in a place of sin and guilt. And there are only two responses possible to that. One is to accept that rescue. Like, thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. And the other response is to say, I hate that guy. And what Jesus is saying, he's just, he is the reality of hate. There is a spiritual dynamic. Now, look. We all know that just because you're a Christian doesn't give you like a bypass to, to not ever be annoying, right? So sometimes, you know, someone will come up to a pastor and they'll say something like, you know, everyone at work hates me. And you say, well, okay, it's because I'm a Christian. It's like, really? Well, tell me what you do at work. And they'll say, well, I never turn up on time. Well, you know, maybe you should turn up on time. Maybe they won't hate you so much. You know. 
So, you know, sometimes people say, I'm being persecuted for being a Christian. And the answer is, you're not being persecuted for being a Christian. You're being persecuted because you're annoying, right? Yeah? Given that human dynamic, nonetheless, Jesus is saying there is a spiritual resistance to the gospel because it makes a choice. You either say, oh, thank you. I need rescuing. I am guilty. I, I need to be saved. Would you, would you, oh, I'm so grateful, Jesus, that you, you came for me. I'm, I'm burdened my sin and my guilt, my total depravity that you rescued me. Oh, oh praise God. That's, that's, just a, that's just amazing. And you either respond like that, you say, I hate that guy. I don't need rescuing. And the clearer the gospel becomes, the clearer that choice. And you've just got to know the spiritual dynamic at work. Benjamin Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. You've just got to know it. But because of that, Because of that reality of hate, there comes an opportunity for witness. This is verses 26 and uh, 27. And uh, there Jesus is talking about the work of the Spirit. He's describing the Spirit's power. He's he's calling him again the helper. That is the the encourager, the comforter, the coach. The the guy comes along and says, yeah, you can do it. We're in this together. Let's let's move forward. He gives you strength. The helper that he's talking about in this section in John 14 to 17 a lot. But here, the work of the helper, the Holy Spirit, is particularly related to witness. The Spirit will bear witness. And he says, you, my disciples, will also bear witness. So here is the opportunity for witness. And when this persecution happens, whether on the massive global scale or on the much more minor but still concerning local scale or national scale in America, we think, I wonder, you know, I can't say that, I can't hold that opinion and still be employed by that organization. And by the way, that really happens. I've had conversations with people recently where that's really true. Whether it's that or the bigger global thing, when that comes along, what Jesus is saying here is there's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for witness. And I think the church in America is missing this. Hugely. I think the church in America is making, by and large, not you know, huge generalization warning, right? But by and large, I think the Church of America is, is doing one or two things in response to the pressure it's feeling. On the one hand, it is saying, let's batten down the hatches, let's hide and wait for the storm to pass. Or it is saying, we're going to get them. That's not what Jesus says. It's an opportunity for witness. And I think largely the reason why the early church was so successful is because it got this. You know the word martyr? Same as this word witness in Greek. You say, well, that's all very well. I can see there's an opportunity for witness. I can see that people are watching you when there's this conflict going on. I can see their ears are open to see how Christians respond. But I just don't know how to do it. Let me give you an easy way to remember how to do it. Okay? So if you break down your car... 
And what do you do? You call AAA, okay? If you're a member of AAA, you call AAA. It may feel like when there's this conflict, whether it's on the massive global scale, the more minor local scale, whether it's at school or work or wherever it is in your neighborhood, it may feel like, you know, you've broken down, as it were. Well, what do you do? You call triple A. Here it is. A, ask. Ask the Spirit to give you power, wisdom, and strength. Ask. Second A, attitude. You've got to have the right heart. You've got to have the right heart. The, the, you know, what did, what did Jesus pray when he, was being put, when he was being crucified? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What about Stephen, the first uh, martyr? Lord, hold not this sin against them. It's so easy, isn't it, for us not to have that, 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 that attitude. And maybe even to give it some kind of religious um, uh, backing, so that, an excuse to act that kind of way. There was an Irish champion boxer who got converted. And, uh, you know, after one meeting when he was giving his testimony, how he became a Christian, someone in front of everyone else came up to him and hit him right in the face to see what kind of response he'd give. And with everyone watching, the Irish champion boxer slowly turned the other cheek, you see. And the guy hit him again. Everyone's now watching. And the Irish champion boxer said in a loud voice, The Lord has given us no other instruction. And laid him out. (laughs) I empathize with that some days. But that's not really what Jesus is saying, is it? So often in the history of the church, this has been the moment. Let me just give you one from recent history. There's so many. You know, Fox's Book of Martyrs, by the way, which is sometimes sneered at by people these days. If you, you can see it online, it has huge, extraordinary stories of God's faithfulness. It's worth reading. But this will be one from more recent days. A man called David Wilkerson who uh, ministered in New York City to gang members. One time he's witnessing to a gang member. He's saying, I love you. The gospel loves you. Jesus loves you. Remember, the world may hate Jesus, but Jesus doesn't hate the world. He loves the world. He loves you. And you say, I love you. The, Jesus loves you. Here's this gang member, the, you know, the gang banger. Here he is. I love you. I want you. Jesus wants you. And he's preaching like this on the streets to this guy. And the guy says to him, you know what? takes out a flick knife and says, you know what? I'm going to cut you into a hundred pieces right now. What does, what does Wilkinson say? Here's what he says very famously. You could do that. And every single one of those hundred pieces would still love you. That's the attitude we need. That's the kind of action we need to take. Opportunity for witness. Let's come then to the call to remember. The last four verses of chapter 16. Last four verses here. Jesus begun with saying remember in, in, in the start of this section. And, and then now in this verse, uh, verses 1 to 4 in chapter 16. He's come back to remember. He's, he's sort of underlining it. He's saying I want you to remember this. It's, it's like if there's something that I've said. 
that I really want you to not forget this is it. And he, he says this sort of in different ways in this section. I'm, I'm asking you to remember this so that when it comes, you will not fall. You'll remember I told you this. This is really, really important. Don't forget this bit. It's a call to remember. And in particular, there's a huge surprise here, which is why it's important that we remember it. So the surprise in this text is Jesus says, there'll come an hour when people actually will think that they're offering a service to God when they kill you. And that word service has in it, in the word, this idea of worship. So what Jesus is saying, there'll come an hour when people, remember I said that the world is not like the non-religious thing, it's this whole system that can have, in this instance here now, a religious kind of garb. Jesus is saying there'll actually come a time when people will actually, as an act of worship, kill my followers. So how, how does that work? I, I thought they, were, they hated God, but now they're doing some act. Well, here's how it works. In the, here's the mentality. Here's the, here's the way it functions in the soul. So Jesus comes along and says, I'm here to rescue. Oh, it's either, the, either, uh, the response is either, well, that's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, it's, uh, get, you, get out of here. I hate that guy. I don't need rescuing. Same with Jesus' followers. They come along. We're here to rescue. They're either like, oh, thank you so much. Or I hate those guys. We don't need rescuing. So there's an opportunity of witness because it's this conflict. And when there's a conflict, people are looking and watching. And Do they really believe it? Do they really love me? Yeah, David Wilkerson. Yeah, I really love you. And so they're watching. It's an opportunity for witness. But here's how the, 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 the soul, the, 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 this religious bit functions. So you go, okay, how am I, I going to, I, I want to silence that witness because it's convicting me of guilt. And so I need to silence the person who's witnessing Hence persecution. How do I do that and still feel good about myself? Answer, I'll do it as if it's for God. It's like the perfect invisibility cloak for the soul, for the, for the conscience. And over and over again in church history, it has been shown that the biggest threat to the Christian church is not so much immorality. I mean, Jesus reached the quote-unquote sinners. It's not so much immorality. It is Pharisaism, one kind or another, that is trying to prove by its own moral actions that it's not guilty. I don't need rescue, and I don't need you, and I hate that guy. They won't say it. That's what's going on inside You've got to remember that. You say, why have I got to remember that? Here's why. I'll give you a little checklist. Check. What are your expectations? Have you, have you, is your expectation that you're following Jesus and therefore everyone's going to like you? Check your expectations. Check. What's the truth here? So people will say, you know, it's because of what you're doing. You don't fit in. You're not our kind of people around here. That's why we're not for you. But what's the truth? The truth is Jesus is saying, it's not about you. It's really about me. And it's really about their attitude to God. And that's why there's an opportunity for witness. And then the last check. I'll just put it like this. Am I still standing? 
Because some days, some weeks, some hours, that's victory. You haven't fallen away. Let me close with this. The uh, communist regime persecuted a lot of Christians and a lot of other people as well. Uh, Sent them to the gulags, the uh, horrible jails that they put together. One of the people they sent there was someone called Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who became a famous author after he survived the gulags, these jails, and went on to write a lot of books. He um, then gave a Nobel Peace Prize. He was given the Nobel Peace Prize because his books had a huge impact on the Soviet regime and really exposed the lie for what it was. And and in this Nobel Peace Prize, he said at the end of this speech, he said this, he said, one word of truth will outweigh the world. See, here's the thing. Yeah, reality of hate. You've got to remember it. But there is an opportunity for witness. There really is. And if by God's Spirit, as we ask Him to help us, if we seize that opportunity, then truly the word of the gospel will outweigh the world. Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, we ask that you would give us that faithfulness, that wisdom by your Spirit to know what to say and when to say it. I pray, Lord, for those here who are facing perhaps difficult decisions at work or at school, that you give them wisdom and strength. I pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters around the world, those 215 million Christians who are facing persecution, Lord, I ask that they, they would know that we are for them, that we are backing them, that we support them, that we love them, and would you help us to do that in the right kind of way, Lord, to actually care for those in the body of Christ globally. Help us to know how to do that. Even us, us as a church, would you open our eyes to show us opportunities to not just do good in general, but in specifically come around your persecuted people. And we do pray, I pray, Lord, For those here, someone here, who feels a stirring up of animosity to you, Lord, even in the midst of this message, I pray, Lord, that you would convict that person, that really it's because they're trying to hide from their guilt. And Lord, right now, by your Spirit, you would open their eyes to your love for them, your love, love for them. And that, Lord, they would just receive you as a, as a gift, your love as a gift. Lord, give us wisdom as a church as we press into witnessing in our own community. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.